What's up? It's Granger Smith. This is the Granger Smith Podcast, episode 10. I love making these, and I'm glad that you care enough to listen. In a world of crazy fast social media posts, sometimes we all just need to hear the whole story. I'm in North Carolina today, Charlotte, and it has been crazy, as it always is. But we came from yesterday, we came from, let me think about it, San Jose, California, all the way across the U.S., and we have been all over Canada, we've been all over California and Oregon, and that's only been in the last 20 days. So if I haven't done a podcast in a little bit, I have a pretty good excuse, and I promise I need to, I need to do them more because it's like therapy for me. And like I said, it's sometimes you need to hear the whole story, and I have a lot of stories. Hopefully there's a lot of you that want to hear them. Now, last episode, I was talking about the year 2007. I had just written a song called We Bleed Maroon that changed everything for me because it gave me this regional hit that gave me kind of a catapult. And I didn't know it yet, but 2007 was about to go out with a huge bang. If you want to talk about this podcast on social media, just hashtag Granger Smith Podcast. That way I could search it and answer any questions you have, kind of keep a pulse on what you're digging. So I've got Twitter up right here, and I searched hashtag Granger Smith Podcast, and I found a question from Jesse and Kara. And this is an interesting question. I want to read it because it says, who determines and or how does your next number one song get chosen? Do you as the artist get to pick? Hashtag Yee Nation. So obviously this process is different for every artist. Every musician has a different situation, different people that they work with. So I can only speak for myself. But uh, the short answer is, yes, absolutely, it is me that decides the next single. Now, the deeper question is, you might be wondering, what is a single? Like, you see it, you see a song on iTunes, and it goes up the chart on iTunes. You see it on CMT Countdown, and you hear it on your local radio station. So that is a song that the artist and the people around him have chosen. They pick one. And the reason they pick one is because you could put all your all your strength into one song, typically, right? Because if Portland, Maine was playing their favorite song off your album, and Albuquerque, New Mexico was playing their favorite song, and so on and so on, you, would, you wouldn't get a collective force going anywhere on any of your songs. So the way we solve that is we pick the song, and then we, we send it to radio, and we go, this is our single. I hope you love it. I hope you play it. Then it's up to them if they actually do play it. Does that make sense? That's the short answer. And to be clear, I decide the single, but I put trust in the people around me. And so we, we have big discussions and we talk about it. And, and I take all the input from all the people that know a lot about this, that, that have done this for a long time. And I put trust in them. I've built a team around me of people that I trust. But ultimately, it's my gut feeling. So I'll collect that data, but I want, I'm going to go with my gut. The reason I'm talking about this, and the reason I think this is an interesting question for me right now, is because I'm currently in the process of launching a brand new single. The 
for a swing at your mama's house and a little stream up in the mountains. A shotgun seat and a ocean breeze. There's a Ferris wheel just spinning round, a midnight moonlight shining down, a red sunset in a cotton dress. You're in it every single good time when I press rewind in my mind. is the next single and this is exciting for me because one of the main reasons I picked this song is it feels so good on stage it translates so well in our live show and that's a big deal and that's not always the reason you pick a single but anytime you're going into summertime and you have something that's just a good country story in my opinion that has a really good beat and it translates no matter if you know the song or not if you're in the audience and we play that song it just feels good. At least I think so. At least that's my opinion. So going into the summer of 2018, we'll be planning music videos and different promotions to go along with it. And uh, I think it's, it's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see uh, what this does at Country Radio. It's always exciting. It's, it's always the challenge. And isn't that what life is all about? You know, not knowing, not knowing the result. You could set out with your aspirations and, and you could make your goals and you could have a plan. But the fact that you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know if everything's going to completely flop or if everything is going to line up and you're going to have another number one song. You just don't know. And because of that, I think that's so much of what drives me, the risk of failure. Can I recite to you one of my favorite quotes? Theodore Roosevelt, he said, Far better is it to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in a gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. That means so much to me I have it tattooed on my left arm. It says, Dare Mighty Things. So with launching the brand new single, You're In It, I think it's only appropriate on this podcast to kind of look back at my singles that I've had. And most of you probably couldn't guess if I told you right now that You're In It is my 18th radio single. Now, that's only my fourth national radio single. So if you go back too far, you have to be from Texas and Oklahoma to hear it on regional radio. But I can name them. I can go backwards. You're In It happens like that. If the boot fits, backroad song. Bury Me in Blue Jeans, If Money Didn't Matter, Silverado Bench Seat, Miles and Mud Tires, We Do It in a Field, I'm Wearing Black, Sleeping on the Interstate, Letters to London, Five More Minutes, I Almost Am, Superstitious 17, Gypsy Rain, Don't Listen to the Radio. And my very first single, exactly 10 years ago, summer 2008, was Colorblind. I want to be colorblind. And I would never think about your soft green eyes Sweet blonde hair would never cross my mind There'd be no black gown you slip into at night Maybe I'd forget about your warm brown skin And stop dreaming about the taste of salty wind 
I wouldn't be hurting now and missing you I wouldn't know a single thing about Now, Colorblind peaked at number nine on the Texas music chart. And that was a really big deal for a nobody guy like me. Now, that time period in my music career, that short period right there, was critical in my music development. So besides releasing my very first radio single, learning about how a single works and how a radio tour works and how I could get my pickup and travel around and meet different radio personalities... And get to know them so that we had a personal relationship so that if they were thinking about playing my song, if they knew me, it would be a little bit easier to say, hey, I'm going I'm to play my buddy Granger as opposed to some kid that I have no idea who he is. Now, the major thing that happened in 2008 for me had to do with my manager. You see, that year I left a huge music management firm called Red Light Management. And that was difficult because I left what was a pretty good thing. You know, they, were, they, they had huge power, and I was a nobody artist, and I was lucky to be on that roster. But I left them for something much more risky. And it kind of goes back to that Teddy Roosevelt quote, Dare Mighty Things. And at this time, in 2008, I was definitely daring mighty things. If you're new to this podcast, i got to tell you that my sponsor is Yee Yee Energy. Now, that's not some big corporate sponsor. That's actually my energy drink that me and my brothers made. Now, I'm very biased because we chose the recipe and we were hands-on in, in making the, the cans and the boxes and, and, and all the way that it's marketed. It's all done right out of our farm in Central Texas. Now, you can get it on Amazon Prime, GrangerSmith.com. You could also get it on tour, which is the coolest place to get it because you could watch my show and drink EE Energy. In most places we play, sell it right there at the bar. It's perfect. Now, to find me on tour, go to grangersmith.com forward slash tour. We're going everywhere this year. 50 states, Canada, Australia. And through all of those shows, you could actually get a VIP pass where you could meet me. Now, that's one of my favorite things about touring is getting to know the fans that are coming to the show. So go to grangersmith.com, grab you some merch, grab you some tickets, grab you some yee-yee energy, and I'll see you down the road. I want to call my brother Tyler on the phone here. Please enjoy this Verizon ringback tone while your party is reached. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Nothing. What's up with you? Are you busy right now? Right now I'm looking at what chicken breasts I'm going to get at the grocery store. I'm uh, making a podcast. Yeah. You're actually on it right now, or I'm recording. I'm talking about 2008, and the biggest thing that happened in 2008 was when you became my manager. I mean, that's when everything happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty, pretty much, for what, whatever the reason. Um, but you were behind it. And so Colorblind, which, by the way, it's been 10 years since we released Colorblind, the summer of 2008. It's cool to be talking about a new single, and you're in it as number 18 since, since Colorblind. But this all started when you became my manager, and I wanted to talk about... Uh, Sorry, that's hilarious. <laughs> like George Strait over there. 18 singles. Yeah. I mean, I could tell the story, but it's better if you tell it. What were you doing, and why did you decide to manage me when there was really no money to be made at all? I wasn't really getting paid, and, you know, even to this day, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to pay the bills, but... Well, hang on money. to this. You make more than me right now. 
No, that's you no. Know, what I'm saying is, it's great. It's fun, but it's not about the money. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, never has anything been. Anything you do, you know, it's, it never it, it has never been. Has been. Things, yeah. things obviously have changed. I don't know if I should be talking like to you, obviously to them, since you know all this, right? How does that work? Yeah, just talk to me, but like just like you're doing, tell the story. Okay. I was working at Compass Bank, uh, doing underwriting loans for commercial real estate. So that's what I thought I was going to do. Uh, you kind of had your own music thing going, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I just got done playing football, wanted to go to the NFL. That didn't happen, so I was trying to figure everything out. And pretty much from day one at the bank, I absolutely hated it. And so I, I literally talked to Dad, and I said, what should I do? And he said, basically, give them a year. You committed to it. you got to be loyal. Um, so during that time, you know, I had my little cubicle. You know, each time my boss would walk by. I would change screens real quick because for the most part, I was on MySpace working uh, on your stuff, you know, getting it together. And and I think I was I was booking, you know, when I could. But basically, it got to the point, you know, when I realized what I wanted to do, when I realized that you were with a huge management company, you you know, you had good people on your team, but nobody was doing anything for you. And, um, you know, I basically said, screw this. I'm going to jump in full time with music. I'm going to go sell your merch. I'm going to book you. You know, I'm going to tour manage you. I'll drive the van and, and basically manage everything from top to bottom. And so that's what I did. When I turned in my two weeks, it was like 100% music business uh, and has been ever since then. So the thing that happened around that time that changed everything besides booking, because you were booking shows and you were booking a lot of shows for the first time ever. I was playing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Dude. Speaking of, I found the Holy Grail. Um, I, I was moving yesterday, you know? Yeah. And I've been looking for years for my uh, booking Bible that, that I had. It was a little spiral notebook that had all my notes. Oh, my and gosh. I found it, dude. And it's it has, like, this guy answered, this guy didn't. He told him to call back at 5 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, this guy doesn't want to give us any money but he said if we can come play for free and sell merch and then like all the guarantees were like 500 bucks anyway it's awesome wow you should frame uh frame some of the best ones in there yeah you were booking a lot of those shows but we were going to those shows and no one there was no crowd so we were playing a ton, but no no one was coming. So that's when I think we kind of had this idea that we could either work our asses off touring like this, and it would take 20 years to build any any steam, or we could start working on videos and trying to get some viral videos on social media that people could share. And we realized we could reach thousands and thousands of people compared to 45 people on a Saturday night in a dance hall. So that's kind of where the video ideas started. You know, you're right. And, and we did realize that we're spinning our wheels, but at the same time we were forming relationships and, you know, I would go talk to the owner and nobody would show up, but I'd, I'd go become best buddies with him. And he'd be like, you know, you didn't, when I call back, you know, he'd be like, I, I know you don't bring anybody, but I like Tyler. I'll book you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, the guarantee might be 300 bucks instead of 600 but he'd give me a Saturday night, and we'd go hustle and sell merch. And Yeah, I wouldn't trade those days for anything. It was, uh, it was a huge part of my learning, for sure. And, uh, you know, there was before that, I hadn't really done consecutive tour dates where you actually go out of town and stay in a hotel and get up, you know, like there's rats in the hotel room, and 
you go out and your trailer tires blown and you got to find a new tire and some no, no man's land town. And it was a huge part of learning for both of us. Yeah. And that's where contracts came from. Remember, because we would show up sometimes and if we didn't have a signed contract, then they wouldn't even know we're playing sometimes. And so we had to learn how to advance shows and get, get signatures and, or if there was a problem in the contract, they'd say, we need to go talk to this person. I'd be like, dude, I wrote the contract. You're talking to him. Let's yeah. change it right now. Yeah. Remember Arizona? <laughs> we, you and me were having that argument with him about changing something on the contract. And he was like, I got to take this back to Tyler. And I was like, I am Tyler. I wrote the contract. Oh, my gosh. Yep. All right, uh, I guess that's all I got for this podcast. Okay, cool. Sounds good. All right, man. All right, bye. So I took a huge risk, and I left a big management company, and I went with my brother. And there was a stigma that went with that where, you know, it was like people looked at me like I was failing. Like, oh, you got your brother. Or people would say, who's your management? And I would say, you know, TS management. And they would say, I've never heard of it. And I'll say, well, it's my brother. And then instantly they would feel like I was a nobody because I had my brother as a manager. But then over years, people realized the dude's actually one of the best in the business. And, uh, you know, I'm better because of it. Because who better can you trust as an artist than your brother when he's out there fighting for you and he's out there trying to to do the best things for your career and your name? Who Who better to trust than your brother? Now, we've had our fights over the years, no doubt. Um, we've had, we've had some brawls on the road, but uh, it, it has been so worth it, and it was the the best career move I've ever made. I just got a text from my wife, and she just opened up a fan letter of mine at home, and I should read it to you. It says, "Dear Granger Smith, hi, my name is Emily, and I'm in the fourth grade. I love your music so much." My dad and my mom have been divorced since I was one years old. I usually listen to your music just to clear my head. I almost know all the words to all of your songs on the Remington album. Every day I listen to your music and I go to sleep listening to your songs. I love you and keep on writing awesome, amazing, and spectacular music. Love, Emily, your biggest fan. Man, that that's something. Those are... Those are the things I need to hear. Those are the things that remind me that we're doing something right, that people are listening and that it matters. So thank you, Emily. Your letter means more to me than you know. Lost in streets of neon and concrete creeping And somewhere up there is a sky full of stars But we can't see them enough Is enough Let's pack up and point this truck So around this time I have a new manager We're making videos like crazy Putting out all kinds of content Something else really happened, though, that changed me and changed the course of what I would be doing in music forever. See, I went to Texas A&M and I was in the Corps of Cadets there and I had a lot of buddies that went into the military. 
and they went overseas and I felt guilty that they're overseas on deployment, ensuring the freedom that guys like me get to enjoy and pick a dream like music for a living. And I'm not going to lie, it bothered me. I felt very blessed. I'm very lucky to, to have fun and go to bars and play music. And my buddies were in the desert going through hell. And so I made it a mission to do everything I could to go over there and to play music and to bring a little piece of home to them, to my buddies, but ultimately to everyone deployed. And people ask me, how did you get those entertainment tours in Iraq? I don't know, really. The honest answer is I emailed every single person I knew in the military. And I said, my name is Granger Smith. I'm a musician. I want to go to Iraq. I want to play music for the troops. Do you know anybody? And most of the time, nobody replied. And I think sometimes people forward it to a commanding officer. And eventually, one day, I got a call from a military entertainment company. And they said, do you want to go to Iraq? And I said, my bags are freaking packed. There's a flag that I fly in my yard. I know the price paid for those stars. It's a flag made to fly high in the wind. So that's what I do with it I've been a little bit afraid I've seen the dark I've made it through, I'm okay I'm better for my scars Life's a wheel, let it roll I'm one to know I survive for a chance To swing for the fence So when the pitch comes rolling in That's what I do with it I ended up taking three tours to Iraq, and all three times I was just, I could not believe that music got me there, first of all. But my intention was to go bring a little piece of home to these men and women. And I had no idea how much I was going to get in return. It gave me such perspective, not only that music is a gift, that I'm responsible for sharing, but how precious life is and how valuable freedom is. And how blessed we really are to have it. Each tour was about two weeks long. And every day we would travel to a new location, a new forward operating base. We would play two of these a day traveling by helicopter. And it was my choice to play the smaller fobs, the places that are farther out there, the places that don't see the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, you know, every six months, the places that have never seen entertainment, the places that don't have running water, they don't have toilets. You know, the best food that they have is, is cold ham sandwiches out of a cooler. Those are the places we wanted to play. And those are the places where the, a little strip of concrete was the stage and the bleachers were a tank. And, and they would climb up on the tank to get a good vantage point. No one knew my songs. No one knew who I was. It didn't matter. They just wanted to hear some American music. And, and I learned then that music can transport you three minutes at a time to another place. You could forget everything. And that was a valuable lesson for me. Now, for the record, I did see some of my buddies from college, and uh, we still joke to this day that I'm the best friends they have because I was the only friend that actually traveled to go say hi to them. When people ask me, what's the craziest show you've ever played? It's always those shows. Before the shows, we would have to find out where the bomb shelter was, which is you know usually some concrete blocks. 
because you never know what's going to happen. You can get incoming fire on the on the small base, and we would have to go and hit the ground and take cover, and then the uh, the quick response team would have to take off and go do their job. We had helicopter rides that uh, we got engaged by the enemy, and we had to take evasive maneuvers to get away from that. It was a constant adrenaline rush. It's something I'll never forget. I, I count the days till I get to return to Iraq or Afghanistan because those have been the most meaningful times for me in music, hands down, period. When I got back, I felt like there was more to be done. I felt like I had seen and learned so much over there, but I wanted to share that with civilians back home. And so I, that's when I started my 100-mile walk, and I would walk 100 miles from South Austin to Fort Hood over the course of five days in combat boots to raise money and morale and patriotism for those soldiers returning home. Because we can never forget that we're still a country at war to this day. And most of us are so busy with our lives that we forget that the freedom we're using, that we get the privilege of using, is being currently paid for by men and women who volunteer for that right. It's unbelievable. So if you're wondering right now, well, what happened to the 100-mile walk? I did it four years in a row, but I've got a big surprise. Something that I'm so proud of that I've been working on, that we've been working on for over a year and a half now. I can't say it yet. I can't tell you what it is, but uh, there's something coming soon that I'm very proud of, and I can't wait to to share that passion with everyone. It's almost time for me to go into sound check here in Charlotte. And that's almost the entire year of 2008, which was crazy. It was a very important year for me. My brother Tyler and I, we found on eBay a van, a 15 passenger van that we desperately needed to replace my Suburban. And so we flew up to New Jersey from this shady, shady dealer. And we bought this van for $10,000 and we drove it back. And everything was great. I actually named it Blackhawk because naturally I was obsessed with the Army Blackhawk helicopters we had been riding in. And to me, that was the ultimate transportation. You know, the one thing I didn't mention is while all this is going on, I was currently writing and recording a brand new album. The album that would become Don't Listen to the Radio. Arguably the most important album of my career ever because it was that first single, that first song that I met my wife, Amber, in the music video. And that's a crazy story, and it's probably going to need its own podcast. There's many more stories to come. Thank y'all so much for listening. It happens like that Out of the blue sky Lost in her blue eyes Yeah, when it happens like that Nothing to lose Turns right into you Doing all you can do Just to keep her around Till the moon goes down And you're back at your house one thing leads to another you loving each other When looking you never look back It happens like that This podcast is brought to you by Yee Yee Energy Come find us on tour at grangersmith.com forward slash tour See you down the road